the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. When we talk about Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and ALS, among others, they're often grouped as neurodegenerative disorders. While they each present a different profile of symptoms, what exactly do they have in common? Dr. Maria Machacchini is the founder, president, and CEO of Inovis Bio. Maria, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Now, I want to start out by asking about how our brains react to toxins, so-called neurotoxins. And we actually already know a number of them. There's curare, the uh, plant extract used by the indigenous peoples of Central and South America. They put that on the tips of their arrows. There's arsenic, there's lead, there's tetanus, the list goes on. There are many varieties of these neurotoxins. And what I want to start with is to ask you, what happens in the brain when neurotoxins are present? Well, they do totally disrupt the functioning of the brain, and they actually make nerve cells die. Now, how that exactly happens, interestingly enough, happens through internal neurotoxins. Our body or our brain has developed sticky proteins that, when attacked, are released and go and, and stick around the toxin that came in or the virus or the, or the bacterium and try to kill it. And so actually you insert a neurotoxin into the brain and the nerve cells get injured and they get scared and they release the internal fighters that then stick around the neurotoxin and try to get it out of the way. So there's a lot going on in our brain once a neurotoxin gets there. That's for sure. Yes. Now, what I talked about were external sources of neurotoxins, and you said that there are also these internal neurotoxins that are actually naturally produced by our body and, and, and working on our behalf. So if everything's working great, it, it's a nice balance. Absolutely. If everything is working great, something comes into the brain that the brain doesn't like. It produces the internal toxins, and they do glob up around the intruder and get rid of it. But if there is a lot of damage, then a lot of these aggregating proteins are released. So these sticky proteins are released and there are way too many of them and they end up sticking together and making it toxic, interestingly enough, toxic aggregates and then plaque or tangles. And so the system that is supposed to protect our brain from intruders can actually work against us because it overproduces the soldiers, if you want to call it that way, that fight the intruders. I find this fascinating because anything named toxin sounds bad, but in yes. fact, they're, they're soldiers, as you say, that, that are on your side defending you. And if I get this straight, uh, they've come out in big numbers to fight this, but in some cases, there, there are too many of them. They stick together and they are sticky in the sense that they, they don't leave our system. What happens when we get this buildup of sticky proteins? Yeah, that's unfortunately what happens in neurodegeneration. So we have these sticky proteins, and the first thing they do, they impair how nerve cells function. The nerve cell needs to communicate with itself, with other nerve cells, and these sticky proteins impair how it functions, and the communication slows. 
And then that causes inflammation and eventually they cause the nerve cell that in the meantime is sick, they cause it to die. So what started out as a defense mechanism of our body turns into a killing mechanism for our body. Can you name some of these diseases? Because many of these neurodegenerative diseases, you know, they're different, you know, so are only some of them created or, or what? Interestingly enough, they all created similarly, but not identically. So in Alzheimer's, we have heard now for a long time that there is plaque. That's the buildup of sticky proteins, of one type of sticky protein. There's tangles. There is a buildup of a different sticky protein. And then as we have been looking better and better, we have found that there is also Lewy bodies, which is actually usually found in Parkinson's. And finally, we are finding a buildup of TDP43 that originally was found in ALS. So now in Alzheimer's, we have four sticky proteins that kill nerve cells. And interestingly enough, if you change the ratios, you see the exact same four sticky proteins in Parkinson's, except there you have foremost Lewy bodies, which is alpha-synuclein. You have tau, which is tangles, A-beta, and then TDP43. And if you look at Huntington's, originally it was thought that there is only one protein that's responsible for Huntington's, which is the sticky Huntington protein. Turns out there is a beta and there is tau, and there may be TDP43. So these sticky proteins show up in all, if not, yeah, I would say all neurodegenerative diseases. So you've got four, depending on the ratio between them, you've got a different disease. Uh, They are actually, I think, to date eight. Oh, great. It got harder. It got harder. Okay, there are eight. There may be a ninth. Remember, they are, we are getting better and better of detecting these things. So we find proteins that are there in much smaller amounts. Plaque was easy to see. If you open a brain of an Alzheimer person, you just see these big blobs. That's easy to see, but that you can't see TDP43 by eye. Now, Anovis Bio, what are you working on here? We're actually working at making all these sticky proteins not stick and not become toxic. The way we do that is that when an invader comes into the cell and the cell wants to react, we let it react, but not overreact. So we are not producing too many soldiers. And so that there is no crowding and they don't stick together. And that we have seen now that our drug inhibits too many proteins from becoming out and sticking in Alzheimer's and in Parkinson's disease. And in animal models, we have seen it in a number of other diseases. So let's go to your clinical trials. You have a number of them um, and you're completing phase two studies and the great clinical trial trifecta is uh, I like to describe it before it gets approved. So you're completing phase two. This is significantly uh, uh, far along the way. Two are in Alzheimer's, one is in Parkinson's. Let's start with the Alzheimer's study. What are you targeting? How are you measuring results? So, you know, everybody has been talking about biomarkers, biomarkers, which actually are the measuring of the sticky proteins. But realistically, does a person really care if they have sticky proteins in their brain? 
They care if they remember. They care if they know their grandchildren. They care if they know how to go shop by themselves. So the first thing we measure is efficacy. We want to see that in Alzheimer patients, our patients have better memory, better function. They, they can function better. They have better mobility. They just do better. And in Alzheimer's, in fact, we did measure cognition, memory and learning, um, activities of daily living, and the patients do better. Now, you said we have two Alzheimer's studies. That is correct. They are both really small. So we have one with five patients and one with 14 patients. That gives us a grand total of 19 patients. That is a very small number to be 100% sure that the drug works. So as you said, there is a two and a three. We are planning in the next month or so to ask the FDA how to continue with Alzheimer's, given that we really don't have many patients, but given that the data in these few patients is really good. And we will suggest to the FDA that we do one short and one long study, and maybe a second long, longer study, and that's Alzheimer's. So Alzheimer's, we probably have another three years to go before we have a drug. Now, you also have uh, a Parkinson's study, What's that about? Well, in Parkinson's, we treated more patients. We treated 54 patients. And the data looks just as good as in Alzheimer's. Our Parkinson's patients move better, be that with their hands, with their feet. They feel better. They, uh, they sleep better. So with 54 patients, we asked the FDA to go into phase three and do two phase three studies. And they said yes. So our first phase three study is starting, ideally, May 31st, let's say for second quarter of this year, but it's starting. It's starting in a few months. And uh, that will be 450 early Alzheimer's pa uh, Parkinson's patients. So 450 early Parkinson's patients. And then a little later in the year, we will start another study in Parkinson's patients for advanced Parkinson's. And in the middle of the year, we plan to start the short Alzheimer's study. So we're actually starting three phase three studies this year. Parkinson's early, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's late. Earlier on, we talked about four and then, well, eight, and maybe a nine protein. I'm, I'm putting my money on 12. I don't know why. There'll be 12 You're before we're done. You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, uh, but at any rate, they, in different relation, in different ratio to each other, one becomes Alzheimer's and another one becomes Parkinson's. Yes. Is this the same drug that we're yes. talking about? Yes. How can one drug control both? Because these toxic proteins are active in every, I mean, every disease where nerve cells die. Let me give you a totally different disease, which we did in rats. I figured if it works in the brain, Alzheimer's, if it works in the body, Parkinson's, how about the eye? Now, if you induce glaucoma, if a person has glaucoma, it's high, high pressure in the eye, the retina dies, eventually the eye goes blind. In a rat, you can accelerate that because you increase the pressure, the poor rat has no choice. The pressure goes up, the retina dies, and the rat goes blind. 
Okay. We treated that rat with our, well, we treated a different rat with our drug. And the pressure goes up. Obviously, we did it make go up. The retina does not die, and the eye does not go blind. So what our drug do, does by inhibiting these proteins and inhibits them all, because nature made them similar enough that they actually have one region that is 100% identical. And that was not known. Well, this was really something we found out because we couldn't figure out how does this drug do that. But there is one region in the mRNA, and you know now what mRNA is because of COVID. In that mRNA, there is one region in all these proteins that is identical. And that is what our drug interacts with. So in that case, what we're talking about is that it puts the limits on all of these proteins. So if one is really surging ahead or two, it doesn't matter. It keeps the limits down, keeps it in place. And exactly. therefore, you don't end up with the imbalance. So while we're looking, chasing after different diseases, it may be we can roll back and say, no, this is the problem back here, where in fact, the, one or another is getting way out of whack. So, exactly. Out of, see, whack, out of whack is a, is a scientific word, I believe. Yeah. It, it's 100% scientific because it means that it's not in balance. Absolutely. See, and that's why we had such a hard time, because for seven years, I knew it was doing it. I didn't know how. And how can it do all these things if you don't know how it does them? But it does them. Yes, but how? And we finally figured it out. The fact that these mRNAs have an identical region, and that region is responsible for how they are made and our drug interacts with that region, really lets us regulate them all. Now, let's take a minute to talk about another study in, in a slightly different vein. Um, uh, it's on traumatic brain injury. What are you doing there? Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is, see, sometimes I think I fell on a gold mine, but if you don't look at the gold mine, because who cares? It's just money. I fell on a principle of how nerve cells die. Guess what happens if you hit your head? All these little soldiers, these sticky things say, oh, we got, we got attacked, we got attacked. They come out and they do the exact same thing as in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. They start, they inhibit axonal transport. They inhibit how the nerve cell works. They increase inflammation and they kill nerve cells. They just do it very fast in traumatic brain injury, and they do it very slowly in Alzheimer's. But it's really the same thing. Whenever you injure the brain, and it could be through lead, it could be through a chronic long disease like Alzheimer's. It's just aging of the brain that keeps going forever. Or it could be that you get hit over the head. They, they do the exact same thing. They say the brain is attacked. We have to defend it. And if it's attacked very heavily, then they come out in drones and then they stick and become toxic. And that's why concussions doesn't lead to chronic traumatic encephalopathy right away. As you know, in football players, it takes 20, 30, 40 years and 100 concussions before they become demented in their 60s or, or, or 70s. Because a concussion is not a very severe injury. So you need a lot of little injuries that build up before these soldiers are way too many. Because each injury just causes a little and everything gets back to normal. 
Whereas if somebody has a really bad concussion, very often there are lasting uh, lasting problems. And so with traumatic brain injury, as you say, sometimes it's very, very fast, given a severe one. Uh, what are you What are you trying to do in this study? How How are you approaching it? We have really not done too much in humans. We stuck to rats because you can control it. All the rats are the same. Take people in car accidents. One hits their head on the right side, one on the left side, one in the back, one in the front. It's really hard to standardize. And I'm a little scared. And one of these days I won't be scared, but I'm a little scared of taking on something where the probability of failure is so high. See, if it works in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's where I feel that we can kind of control it, I know they're terrible diseases and I know they're hard to, but you have a population that is not that inhomogeneous, okay? But once it works in those, then I probably will have the courage to take people that come from all sorts of life that had had their injury 10 years ago and just try to put them into groups that are reasonably similar. Because in concussion, there are no two groups that are similar. Reasonably similar and then see if our drug works. Is this drug one that you have to take every day? Is it an injection? Is it a pill? How do you take this drug? One pill every morning. You can take it every evening. I don't think it makes any difference. But in our protocol, we say in the mornings that it's out of the way. So you would anticipate if you had one of the standard neurodegenerative diseases that you would get on this and you would stay on this. Yes. I, I, I mean, one of the studies we'd like to do, and again, it's mice, is take them off and see how long that the, the drug reaction is there. We know from Parkinson's mice that two months after taking them off the drug, their movement is still normal. Three months, it's not. So, you know, you could envision that you come off and you go back on. At this point, it's just easier to say once a day. Well, this is so exciting, Maria. I, I hope you'll come back and see us again. Once we have a drug that works in humans, for sure. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Now, remember that. Remember that. All the journalists will be clamoring. Remember my name. Oh, I will <laughs> never forget your name. Moira is such a lovely name. I will never forget it. <laughs> well, good. I hope that's the case <laughs> on all points, on all points. Thanks again. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Dr. Maria Machacchini is the founder, president, and CEO of Anovis Bio. More information is available on the web at anovisbio.com. That's Anovis, A-N-N-O-V-I-S, anovisbio.com. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.